Well, hello and welcome to the Darren Clarkson King podcast. I'm Darren Clarkson King, and those of you that listen to this podcast regularly will know that I'm a bit of an expedition whitewater kayaker, quite often in the Himalayas. But when I'm in Britain, I'm in North Wales. Obviously, a lot of us now are in lockdown or quarantine or isolation or social distancing or whatever we want to call it. So, you know, I'm going to bang out a few more podcasts. For those that listen regularly, this podcast is not scripted in any way. There's no regularity to it. I'll probably, you know, ramble on about stuff. There's no general themes. And uh, it's not sponsored anyway. So if I talk about product, it's just a general like or dislike for a product. Not because somebody's given me it for free or has charged me an extortionate rate for it. Anyway, if you work for the health service in the UK or around the world, or any of that, you've probably got a shitload of work to do at the moment, and maybe this is a light relief. And if you work for the government, you've probably done a load of shit work recently. <laughs> but we're not going to discuss that. This podcast is not about that. It's not about COVID. But the reason I'm doing it is because, you know, I'm stuck inside and I can't go out. Anyway, I have said it's not got any sort of schedule, but somebody's asked me to talk about fear and how we deal with fear, which I think is quite apt. So I'm going to give it a blast, like. I have written some stuff about fear. You can probably Google it online. If you want it in comments, I might be able to dig some Word documents out and email them out, but... Fear. It's a weird one, isn't it? Fear in kayaking, I think people are talking about. They're not asking for general fear in life. Fear in kayaking. Kayaking's just folly, isn't it? Excuse me. Just, uh, I've got my coffee, just like normal. But, you know, fear in kayaking is just general folly. We're doing stuff. You know, we, we get on a river and... We do stuff, and we choose to be in that situation. And for me, you know, to be fearful in that situation is just nonsensical. You know, I can understand people leaving the trenches to fight in no man's land, being fearful for the life. I sort of get that. But people being fearful of a rapid, I don't quite get it. Not, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't feel fear. Uh, I just don't quite get that we have one word, fear, and uh, we have to interpret it differently, I think, in situations where we are talking about folly <laughs> and kayaking whitewater or whatever is general folly. Although it pays my bills and allows me to guide and run trips. Now, you know, for me, I'm a big believer in Emil QA. Now, I probably pronounced Emil QA wrong. He was basically the guy that sort of invented auto-suggestion. He died in 1926. I quite like his school of thought. You know, Frank Spencer used to tell us all about it, did he? And some mothers do have him. Every day and every way I'm getting better and better. But for me, the, the one that stands out with uh, Emil QA is when he talks about walking over a plank... So if I get a plank of wood and put it on the floor and the plank's wide enough for me to stand on, maybe like a scaffolding plank, then I'll quite happily walk up and down it all day long. But the minute I put that between two buildings, I don't want to walk over the plank because I think I might fall off. And the fear of falling 
impedes the fact that I can walk down the plank. Now, that's, that's a shocking realisation, isn't it? That your mind can override your basic response. Left foot, right foot is a basic sort of technique. You know, we, we do it every day. Or, you know, people that are blessed enough to have, you know, the ability to walk and do it every day. And yet, when we put that up, up, you know, into the realm of risk, it changes our mental conditioning. And we put our foot on that plank and we might feel like we're going to fall. Even though we've done it a thousand times, you know, we've walked that six foot gap a thousand times. Or, left foot, right foot a thousand times. And I think it's important when we talk about our hobbies or our lifestyle choices or our guiding. Because, you know, as guides, we're a little bit like the SAS. You know, I guide for a living. And we are a bit like the SAS. Because we're both trained to kill people. The SAS, you know, obviously, probably with the bare hands and people that guide if we mess up and then people die, you know. And that's quite a scary sort of thing, you know, if, if we guide wrong, then people can get injured and swim out of big holes. Excuse me. You know, but it is one of those things, isn't it, you know. Anyway, back into it. Left foot, right foot over a plank. So, this goes back to what I've been saying before. Repetition, repetition of a mindset. If we can make ferry glide on class two, the technique of that ferry glide and the mental preparation of that technique should be applied to the class three, or the class four, or the class five. We have to trust and believe and have faith in our own skills and ability. When I drop into those box canyons or I'm running those hard rapids, if I'm running it solo or with a group, I have to believe that that rapid or that sequence of moves will get easier. No matter how much repetition I've done to get to that stage where your heart's a little bit elevated and, you know, you stumble over your words and, you know, you've got that spit test if you read neatly. You've got to believe that it's going to open up at some point. And I'm sure some of you sat in, you know, in your houses now are like, when's this going to open up and we can get outside but I'm not going to talk about Covid but it's going to happen isn't it you know we run these rapids if we run them in, the, in Britain they might be quite short if we run them outside Britain they be maybe a bit longer simply because Britain has quite short rivers now it is going to open up isn't it and we have to just have faith and trust in our own ability and I'm not a magic man you know I'm not but I do believe that repetition, 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 takes away that edge. I'm also a massive, massive believer in peer groups. Now, peer pressure sucks. It does suck. Uh, not just does peer pressure suck. You're paddling with people that you don't trust. Mm. Excuse me, you're paddling with people that you don't trust or that affect your judgement, you want to sack them right off. Because that affects how you perceive fear, if we're going to use the term fear. Anticipation is another good word, because anticipation, anxiousness, that's a good word to use, isn't it, anxiousness. Now, I've seen many a, per many a paddler get on the river with a group that they sort of don't quite gel with. And the reason they're on that 
you know, on the river without groupies because they've shared a vehicle because they live in the same town. Just because we're kayakers and we live in the same town doesn't mean to say that we have to paddle with, with people from our town. Personally, if I'm sharing a vehicle with somebody and they've got loud drum and bass music on as we drive to the putting, that sets my day off, sort of off kilter. I don't like any music on when I'm driving to the putting, which is a good job really because my car stereo doesn't work. Now, I, I actually, I talk a lot. I mean, I talk to you guys in podcasts and I talk a lot when I'm on the river and I know some people don't like that. If I'm paddling with peers, I do talk loads, but if I'm paddling solo, I don't talk to people, do I, obviously? I mean, if anybody wants to join me on a solo trip, please let me know. Now, if your baseline, shall we say, your anxiousness gets escalated by people playing drum and bass, or driving fast to the putting, or getting changed in a manner that agitates you, because we all know those people that get changed in a split second and those that get changed and take some 40 minutes. If you, those things are starting to bubble inside you, when you get on that river, you're going to be anxious already. And I think it's really important that we understand that as kayakers. We understand where we sit in that dynamic when we get on. It, you know, we need to feel comfortable, don't we, with, with the peers that we're in and how we choose our peer groups. I, as obviously, I guide for a living and I, I take strangers down rivers. But if I'm social paddling, I don't want to be paddling with strangers. You know, I don't want that responsibility of an unknown. Because paddling with strangers is an unknown, isn't it? You know. Excuse me. I did. I used to have a rule of thumb. If I got to a, a river and I, I met people, and, you know, oh, do you want to paddle down here with us? We'll share the shuttle. If the paddlers getting on had shiny kit, super shiny kit, all, and it all matched, I'd say no. But if they were getting on and they had duct tape holding the dry tops together and epoxy fixing the paddles, it was pretty much, yeah, I'll get on with you. Because, you know, as, a, as people that bivvy in the hills know, the further you get into the hills and the further you get into doing these kind of sports, the gear that the, the more experienced paddlers tend to have is the gear that's snookered and past its best. But now, obviously, that's not the case because a lot of people get pro deals and they have shiny kit. I also tend to avoid people that have got pro deals where possible because, you know, how do you know when a paddler's got a pro deal? Well, sort of tend to tell you, aren't they? So if they've got a matching kit or any description, I'll avoid them. Anyway, right, that's it, isn't it? Talking, uh, mm. excuse me, yeah, avoiding people on the river, that's fine. It really is fine to say, look, I don't feel like I want to paddle with this peer group anymore. It might take you a while, it might take you a number of years. Or you might have certain people that you want to paddle with on certain days and not on other days. And that's fine, isn't it? And it really is fine to pick and choose who you paddle with. You know. Now, somebody's asked me in a question, you know, how do you differentiate the people that are going to save your ass on the river and the crazy-ass loons on the river that are just reckless? Now, for me, sadly, that's the same guys. 
I tend to paddle mostly with the male peer group, and it's not for any reason other than, you know, I've paddled with them for 20 odd years and, and that's it. But those guys that I paddle with it tend to be sort of loose cannons, if you were. They're the ones that, you know, drop blind horizons or are quite slow on picking up eddies and will just black down sections. But I also know these same guys will get my ass out of the shit. And, you know, me for them, them too. I also know that the relationship we have is a relationship where we don't need to reiterate river signals to each other. In fact, a nod and a wink is as good as doing that big helicopter thing with your hand to say there's an eddy, you know? Or, you know, the, the big wave thing or whatever it is you do. We, we, just, we know each other very well. We've paddled a lot together. We also know when each other's tired. We know when each other's feeling... You know, you know the heebie-jeebies? You know when you get the heebie-jeebies and your legs have got the disco leg going on? We sort of know when each other's feeling a little bit like that and we can bring each other back to baseline. And that's nice. So for me, those crazy fools that look reckless are actually my comfort zone. But for other people, they don't want to paddle with those crazy fools because it's out of their comfort zone and they don't understand the dynamic. And that's really important, understanding the dynamic and also understanding where you fit in that peer group. And I'm not talking about egos here because egos are going to kill you. They're going to smack you to the floor, make you cry. If you get rid of that for a start off. I know the irony. I'm sat talking to you on a podcast. I get it, I get it, you know, I, talk, I get it. Right, but egos are going to slap you down. Accept where you sit in that pack on that river. When you get on that river, you don't have to stay in a pack formation. I think that's a load of bobbins. You know, most experienced paddler at the front and weak paddlers in the middle and another experienced paddler at the back, like a box formation. I think sometimes that's a bit of bobbins and you can mix and match it. But I think you do need to know where you sit in the hierarchy of the group, whether it's a formal hierarchy, say on a coach trip or on a coach trip, National Express. No, on a coached or guided trip and uh, or just a peer pal. I know you need to know where you sit in that hierarchy. And there's no problem, obviously, moving that hierarchy around. And I think it's relatively foolish to sit and talk about the hierarchy before you get on. I think if you're not bright enough to understand that you've been paddling for six months and... Everyone else in your group's been paddling for six years that, you know, you're not the weakest in the hierarchy. I think people need to be sensible. And if, if you're paddling with people that dominate that uh, dynamic, you want to sort of leave that situation because we can all learn from everyone. You know, the experienced paddlers can learn from the new paddlers. It's not about, you know, I've got, you know, five gold stars on my chest and you've got none. We need to sort of balance that. I think anybody that shouts unnecessarily on a river as well should be avoided. I had a coach when I was when I was learning to paddle and he used to shout a lot. Loads for no reason. I'd blow his whistle a lot. Yeah. He'd blow his whistle sort of more than like a football referee that was refereeing a match between Leeds and Millwall. And he cursed as much as well. And I think that's really important that we understand. I mean I swear a lot. Well not a lot, but you know. I use it like a comma. And I think it's important that we understand the way we're talking, especially within the groups that we paddle with. And while I'm talking to you with this podcast, I'm actually talking with my hands and my hands are moving around. And for those that know me, you know, I'm quite visual in what I say. And that's also really important to sort of 
pin pin words and pin concepts when we're talking and build that repertoire and that relationship within our group and I think we need to sit back and look at that and for those that are interested in NLP I'm sure there's a thousand podcasts and YouTubes and courses you can go and uh, we, we can do all that stuff you know we can build rapport with each other and that's pretty simple one of the things that people have to be careful of and I've seen it a lot with paddlers we have to be super careful about banter banter it's a horrible word banter super careful about banter now me and my friends we can rip the piss out of each other and we know it doesn't really affect us because we know each other so well but from the outside it looks like a bit of bullying's almost going on or look at you you daft son you took a swim there or you missed your line there you div you know all that stuff and it's it's not very nice is it now if we are over enthusiastic in our, our use of negative banter that really affects people's morale like really affects it you know if we have somebody going from doing you know eddie moves just on like a training exercise and you go in eddie left eddie right eddie left eddie right make that surf that wave make that ferry and they don't miss and, and they miss one we don't need to ridicule it do we, we don't need to say you fuck that we don't need to we can say well, perhaps you should have done it like this or that was really smooth but this would work really nice and you'd get that middle eddy or, or whatever and that's just where I, where I stand, you know. Where, where I stand. Another one for me, talk, going back into fear, is a personal risk assessment. I see a lot of people scouting rapids, and they get. I think the word is information overload, like emotional overload. If you can't, for me personally, if I can't see the line within seconds of scouting, I'm walking. An experience gets me to that position of seeing the line. If I can't see it, I'm walking. Okay? If I can't see the exit, but I can see the entrance, I'll send Dave. You've got to be super, super sure when you're scouting with people that you don't let your emotions of what you're seeing flood onto somebody else. I think that's super, super important. I don't want people ever saying, that's the line, can you see it? Well, you know, you're going to make that booth and then you're going to go down that tunnel and avoid that big hole. People have got to make their own judgment calls. Obviously, if you're on coach or guided trips, the guides and coaches are going to maybe influence your decision if your decision's, uh, if your decision's not safe. But, you know, again, Trust and believe and have faith that we're going to be all right and it's all going to be good, in it? Now, for me, a personal risk assessment... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Well, for me, a personal risk assessment... When I ran a rapid... A rapid when I ran the, the uh, Clamberries Falls... How do you think I personally risk assess that? I'm just getting a glass of water because that cough's sticking it out of me. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, personal risk assessment. When I ran Hanbury's Falls, I was willing to accept a broken rib. That was part of my risk assessment. I want to run this fall, but I'm happy to break a rib in the process. That risk assessment's not for everyone. It was for me on that day. 
And then in my brain, there's like a percentage thing that says, well, chances of a broken rib are this percentage. And can I live with that percentage? You know, and I see a lot of people, like I say, scouting rapids, thinking, what's the worst that can happen? You know, maybe you paddling the terrain, graveyard section, and you're a bit worried in case you flip. The worst that happens is you flip and you bang your face. You know, and rocks hurt just as much in a class two, three as they do in a class five. You know, rocks are rocket hurts. Well, I sort of get that. Worst, well, worst that can happen. Now, what's the worst that can happen if you take a swim in big water? Well, you're going to have a big swim, aren't you? A really big swim. You might lose your boat. You might have to walk for six hours around a box canyon to get your boat back. Worst case scenario. But, you know, I think we just have to be sort of super careful there about our risk assessments. You know, my risk assessments do, you know, border on the... Uh, Sadomasochistic, I'm sure broken rib, not everyone wants to look at a rapid and accept that as a likely outcome. You know? Will I paddle this rapid like paddling a drop on the do, 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 Tegel? Think about the river then, the Tegel. Probably pronounced it wrong. Uh, Tegel in Blyner, looking at a drop. There's a risk of me pitoning down and bending the front of my boat. I was willing to take that risk. What I wasn't willing to take was a snapped full plate footrest and two uh, ankles that I thought I'd broken but actually just super strained and I took a week off work because I couldn't walk. I wasn't really, didn't think it was going to be that severe. I thought a bent nose on a boat would be suffice. I didn't think it had snapped my full plate footrest off. But it did. You know. And then when you go to Italy a month or so later and your ankles are still weak and uh, you do a drop and peat on again and I bend another footrest then your ankles really really hurt which is one of the reasons why I don't run. Yeah I don't run because I'm lazy exactly it really hurts my ankles. Now when we scout in rapids as well especially with newcomers to the sport I think it's really advantageous to not piss about with names of rapids because names of rapids have got all these connotations I've just mentioned the graveyard it's a horrible name for a rapid, isn't it? Horrible name. Washing machine. Dead man's eddy. It's rubbish, that, isn't it? I also don't really think it's advantageous before we get in on a river or if we sat like in the pub on the night and we paddle the next to talk about beetering, you know, and ragdolling. It's just bobbins, because it builds up these levels of anxiousness and I'm not super happy with that. Uh, Myself, I don't mind. I don't. I really don't mind. I've been doing this a long time, and I can talk about beating and ragdolling down a rapid, and you know, hurting my ankles on that drop, and names of rapids and all that. It doesn't really matter to me. But some people, that would really matter, wouldn't it? And it's quite negative, and we don't want any negativity in this sport or this folly, uh, leisure activity, historical leisure activity. If this uh, stay-at-home policy keeps going, it'd be a, it'd be a historical activity, wouldn't it? So anyway, I've talked a bit, haven't I, about fear. I've not really given you a load of information. Pema Chodron's got some cool stuff. If you uh, have a liking towards Buddhism and spirituality, Pema Chodron's got some really good stuff about fear. Thich Nhat Hanh's got some good stuff about fear. Not adventure-based. Uh, read it. Just read it. Doug Ammons, he's got always got some really good stuff on fear. And uh, one of the things that 
he said to me once we were chatting is, you know you're going to get you know you're getting scared. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know you're getting scared or you're getting anxious when you start holding your paddle super tight. And now that's pretty true. You've got to hold your paddle tight enough to use it, haven't you? But you you don't know it's too tight. If you start getting white knuckles and wrist pain, you're probably holding your paddle too tight. Anyway, on that bombshell, it's bombshell, it's not even a bombshell, is it? On that note, I'm going to sign off because I've talked a bit about fear. If you want to leave comments in the Podbean thing, you can. You can leave comments on Pureland Expeditions, Instagram or Facebook, but you guys know that. And again, you know, I'm not talking about trips now, am I? You know, I was going to talk about monsoon paddling in Nepal, but that seems a long time ago and it's not something that you know, I plan to be doing super soon. But I might do, I might do. Anyway, thanks for listening, if you are indeed listening. I've enjoyed talking to nobody. Have a lovely day. The sun's out, isn't it? Remember to breathe. Guys, remember to just take a deep breath. It's all going to be all right. It's going to be like that horrible, horrible gorge that we don't want to go into. It's going to open up in a bit and life's going to be good. Awesome, guys.